Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Your Way to Work, the show that speaks not to employers and not to managers, but to you, our fellow workers on the workplace floor. I'm your host, Christian Whitty, and today we have a show for you about those two words, career politics. Today, Rick will be interviewing Jonathan Mom about this very topic. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. This is Rick Witted, and you're listening to uh, the podcast show On Your Way to Work. I'm in studio by phone with Jonathan Malm. Jonathan is the author of Created for More. He is a serial entrepreneur, a guy who has a big heart and a lot to say about career politics, and that's what we are talking about today. So, Jonathan, it's good to have you in studio. Great to be here. So for the listeners, Jonathan was a guest blogger for rickwitted.com. He happens to be an author, and we know a few people in the same circles. And he sent me a very interesting post on career politics. And so, Jonathan, when you hear that phrase, career politics, what are you talking about? So, you know, if you've ever read How to Win Friends and Influence by Dale Carnegie, uh, it sounds a lot like a selfish, manipulative title, right? How to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. But whenever you read the book, so much of what he says is actually learning how to love people and how to treat people well and how to value other people higher than yourself. So that's really my approach when it comes to career politics. It's not necessarily about manipulating, scheming, trying to position yourself to get what you want. It's really about treating people well, treating people with love and respect and dignity. And it's one of those things I I believe in this principle of what you plant in the ground is what is going to harvest, right? It's what's going to grow up out of the ground. So whenever you plant seeds of respecting people, of valuing people, of uh, respecting their opinion, I believe you you get that back uh, in a harvest. So why do you think that this conversation, which we call career politics, the default picture is that of manipulative scheming when you hear those words? I think, you know, especially the the U.S.'s culture is all about quick results. And, you know, the way you can get quick results is always being in control. And the way you're in control is if you can manipulate the situation, if you can change the narrative. But, you know, the best things that we get in life, they require work and they require investment. Uh, there are very few actual get-rich-quick schemes. You know, it, it requires yeah. investment and time and developing relationships. And it's it's a lot of almost faith, if you will. You have to have faith that what I'm doing right now will yield long-term results. And it's scary. Yeah. Uh, so I think that the shortcut is to manipulate and to, you know, change the narrative by, by you know, positioning and stuff like that. But I don't believe that gives the long-term results. I mean, that's what you learn in marketing. You learn that Ultimately, the best form of marketing is meeting the customer's need. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be able to get a quick sale by manipulating, but they're not going to come back to you next time when it comes for the next purchase. They're going to go somewhere else where they feel uh, cared for, where they feel like they're valued. So it's true everywhere, but it's something that I think scary for people to embrace the fact that you have to treat people with kindness and respect and dignity. I think what I like about the article of yours is what you're talking about is not politics. I mean, we use that term because it is the known phrase, but you're really talking about relationships. And and it seems like any other life relationship where if someone comes in on the relationship to that third wheel, it appears 
appears that there is more going on. It appears that that third wheel person is kind of on the outside of the jokes, not in on the scoop. Uh, but in reality, they're just a bit colder on a relationship that's been warming for a while. That, that's kind of mm-hmm. how I get it. And so it just seems natural that a person would... They would come in and they see this great thing going on for Sally or John with the manager. Then they assume that there's something happening that I wasn't privy to. And in reality, that could simply be Sally or John has just poured into the relationship to a point where they're getting more back out of the relationship than than myself. I'd love your thoughts on that and, and if I'm if I'm interpreting kind of what you're saying wrong. No, that's exactly. I think a lot of times we act out of insecurity. Every single person, no matter how uh, braggadocious they might be, we're all desperately insecure. So consequently, we you know, enter into a new environment and we worry that everyone's judging us or everyone's thinking negatively about us. Uh, so all of us, it seems like there's a room full of people wondering, oh, what's everyone thinking about me? What's everyone thinking about me? And If you were able to hear everyone's inner dialogue, you'd realize nobody's thinking about anyone. Everyone's thinking about themselves. They're all just insecure. (laughs) They're all feeling the same thing. So there is an element of putting your insecurity aside, realizing, okay, this person is just as insecure as I am. If I reach out to them and if I show them kindness and if I show them that I value them, it's amazing how it it brings people's guards down. And at first, you know, a, a lot of times whenever you, you, know, you meet someone new for the first time, and if you're overly nice, they can maybe stiff arm you at first because they don't know how to respond to that. They, they're worried that, okay, are they making fun of me? Is there a joke that I'm not getting here? So it does require a little bit of uh, getting over yourself, really, to just push through and, and invest in that relationship. And I I don't know that I've ever seen it not work out where when you invest in a relationship, it doesn't yield some sort of results. And maybe not necessarily from the person you're investing into. Maybe they're just really having a lot of internal baggage or things that they can't get over. But other people see that too. And other people see when you're being friendly and they they love to be around that. You know, I I love where you're at and I'm already getting nervous because this show is only so long. But (laughs) but it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is – you know what, if you would get outside of yourself a little bit in the workplace and dare to engage with others around you, your boss, your peers, you know, others in the company that you may want as mentors, it sounds like you're saying if you dare to engage with people, you might actually begin to build relationships that long term are profitable for you from a career standpoint. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I even try to approach any job that I'm in as if I were the manager or the boss. Mm. And I feel like that's something that's that's valuable for employees to do. So what would, what would a manager be concerned about? Yes, they'd be concerned about the tasks, but they'd more be concerned about the morale of the employees. They'd more be concerned about the relationships or the communication. So definitely get your job done. But I believe the best moves you can do in career politics, again, if we want to use that word, is to treat your job as if you were a manager, even if you might be the low person on the totem pole. But that would mean encouraging people, helping people, establishing lines of dialogue between people who might not be understanding each other. And the crazy thing is, I mean, ultimately what happens is upper management sees that and they see that you're already functioning in that role and they're happy to uh, put the numbers behind 
the role that you're already doing. Yeah. Well, got to pause. Got to say that again. They are happy to put the numbers behind the role that you're doing. I love it. I love it. Said another way, you know, the stake you just put in the ground was ownership. So you're saying to the listeners, you got to own it. Oh, yeah. And, and the it is not just your function and you're part of the job that you are assigned to do. The it is contribute to the entire culture around you, your role, your position, and, you know, the betterment of the culture overall. And when that happens, sounds like you're saying uh, that the leadership is more willing to invest and throw behind you the resources that, that are needed for your success in a career. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there are other things at work here. You know, some people might feel threatened by the fact that you're taking over a role that maybe is not in your job description. There are always things like that. But I'm convinced that there's sort of these scales of justice that happen where maybe, you know, your direct supervisor might not want to acknowledge it, might not want to, but I believe it comes back around. There are opportunities that come because people are watching. People are always watching and they notice when someone is different. I notice when people are putting in more efforts than their peers and I wonder what's going on behind that. But whenever it comes time to look for someone to, you know, join a new company with me, I'm going to look to that person and talk to that person immediately. Yeah. So I love what you're saying. We really, we took a long way of answering the first question I wanted to ask, which is career politics. Why are they important? And so I think if we just take away that horrible misnomer and really ask the right question, because if, if so far what, what we've come to here is that career politics equals building relationships that mm -hmm. matter in the workplace as we're talking here, but really any anywhere. So the reason career politics, quote unquote, is important is because it's really about the art of building effective and affecting relationships. I think that's what I'm hearing you say. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. So then let me just go in with a second question. So how do you really win in this game of, quote unquote, career politics or the political game? Uh, or said another way, how do you really win and master the art of effective relationships in the workplace without being what most people fear when they hear the word, a sellout or selling your soul, as I think you've said before? Yeah, I think I think the key, and this is something that I learned from my mom, and I feel like it's one of, been one of the most valuable traits that I've had growing up, is my mom has the ability to see everyone as a fascinating individual. Like every mm. single person she meets, she thinks they're fascinating. And I believe that's the key to quote unquote career politics, to understand that every single person you meet has their own inner battles, their own triumphs that they've overcome, their own just unique personality and unique value. And I believe it's about learning how to mine that out of people, how to find that uniqueness, find that value, and then show genuine interest in those people. Uh, that's the thing. We live in a world, especially now with social media, where everyone is posting about themselves on social media. It's the <laughs> yeah. iPhone. It's all about yes. me, right? So when you can show genuine interest in someone else, people people get excited about that. People are willing to you know do many things to, to open up doors of friendship to you because you're giving something to them that they don't get elsewhere. Okay, so so I got two thoughts there. You got a bunch of people listening now, and these are people immersed in a culture that says, you know, mind your own business, don't ask questions, be suspect if you're being asked questions, you know, come into the house, 
let down your garage as quick as possible so you don't have to engage with anybody around you. And don't answer the phone, just text back. So now you're challenging us, Jonathan, to go into this place we spend a great majority of our awake time in a weekday and get all involved. How do you <laughs> how do you do that? How where do you even begin if that's not something you've done before? I'm thinking someone listening is going to go, I don't want to come off weird. No, yeah. You have to establish a rapport first before you start digging into people's lives. I think the easiest way to do that is to simply encourage. Mm. You can start with shallow things saying, man, the way that you accomplished that task was phenomenal. Uh, then you can start saying, you know, I value your honesty. I value your integrity. I value uh, your ethics in dealing with that complicated situation. Start finding things that you can value in other people and, you know, start superficial, but start getting deeper and deeper as you see them opening up to you. Pretty soon, you won't even have to start prying in people's lives. People are, are looking for solutions to problems in their lives. And if you're offering them hope and if you're offering them encouragement, they're going to tell you what's going on in their lives. It's just inevitable. So the backbone of that, because I could see someone going, yeah, I'm going to encourage. It's my mission. It's my calling. It's my goal. That doesn't matter if you're not a good worker yeah. or if you're complaining. <laughs> or So maybe speak to how that run, runs alongside attitude in the workplace. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's the same thing as, you know, the reason I don't want to talk to someone who gossips about someone else is because I know when they're with someone else, they're probably gossiping about me, mm, right? Yes. Uh, so there is there is an integrity of your life that people look at. There's a moral authority that you develop whenever you act a certain way consistently. So when you are the one who's excelling at your job and putting in the hard work and 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 valuing the role you play, people see that. And it, it's one of those things like, you know, you can try to live one way when it comes to your job, another way when it comes to relationships, but it's all connected. And people know that there's an intuitive knowledge people have that if this person's not being faithful at their job, they're not going to be faithful in their relationship to me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Now, I, I would add when we talk about just having an effective, whatever you want to call it, witness or career commercial about yourself, it really doesn't matter how nice you are or how engaging you are if there is not both ethics and excellence uh, and quality in the work you do. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, if I'm in the workplace and you are the nicest guy out there, but I look at your quality of work and it's subpar, it's you're not giving your all, you're not doing your best then you lose credibility. It's hard for me to listen to you in that environment. It's hard for you to gain my t attention if I see that in your craft, you really haven't put enough care to master what you're doing. Because there's an exchange. We get, we get paid for doing that thing. On the other hand, you could be the best worker in the building. But if I sense you don't care about people and you're not genuine and you don't have what many call EQ. You've got IQ, but you don't have emotional intelligence in relationships with people around you. Then equally, maybe you're doing the job, but if I'm the manager, I don't know that I am going to so quickly move you up to take on more or do things that will affect the role and the job that others do within the organization because I don't know you're not going to be someone 
that ultimately will hurt people within the culture. Yeah. And I, I think I think both sides of that are are so crucially important. I love where you're coming from because it is about relationship. And for some reason, when we get into the workplace, I see so many people just become official, quote unquote, and they put blinders on to what really matters outside of work, which is relationships. And that should matter in work. There is no work-life balance. It's just life. And they both blend together. And what works in one setting that creates engagement and energy um, and lasting and effective relationships, they work uh, in the other. They work at work and they work uh, at homes and in our personal lives. So you talk in the blog post, um, and I encourage everyone to go to rickwitted.com forward slash blog. If you get there, you will see the blog post from Jonathan uh, this week. And you talk about in this article three things that just resonated with the career I've had and the success I've been able to build. And for our listeners out there, you're familiar with the career path assessment at careerwit.com. I tell you, this really speaks to a lot of the things that the assessment draws out of you. So Jonathan, I would love for you to talk about these three pillars that you've kind of staked in the ground here as it relates to career politics and the blog that folks can read this week. Yeah, the first pillar is that relationships matter more than work. And that's a complicated concept to, to wrap your head around if you're used to, you know, putting in an hour of work for an hour worth of pay. Mm-hmm. But there's this thing, there's this concept called gestalt. Uh, it's one of my favorite like concepts. Basically, the, the concept is gestalt means that the, the sum is worth more than the individual parts. Mm. So whenever, you know, uh, this part, this part and this part comes together, it's, it's no longer the value of three. It's actually the value of six. There's something that happens, synergy or whatever you want to call it, when we work together, whenever people join a common cause that is greater than the sum of the parts. So whenever you're able to develop relationships, whenever you're able to, you know, go political if you want, or whenever you're able to bring people together for a common cause, you can accomplish far more than what you could originally accomplish on your own. So some hearing that might say, so you mean the work is not important? I'm not sure I follow that. No, yeah, the work is most definitely important. But I think what happens so often is we work on our small piece and we neglect seeing the big picture. Uh, And a lot of times, whenever we have open lines of communication, we can realize that maybe this portion of the piece that I'm working on is not necessary. Or maybe somebody's already accomplished something that I can use. And it's only when we open those lines of dialogue, whenever we have strong relationships in the workplace that we can tap into that knowledge and actually get value from it. I love what you're saying. I just got to say, there's nothing more beneficial to your career long term than than having a more global view of the work we do, right? We have one Mm -hmm. role we play, but that role interweaves with quite a few things that are typically going on within that organization. And I love where you're going, Jonathan, because when we take the time to make sure we understand how what we do interacts with something another person does and take the vested interest in understanding that person and the role they do, we get a more global view of how this business works. And, you know, if there's one thing that I would say 
separates the entry-level employee from the senior executive, the business owner, or the CEO of the company, it is that person at the top has a much more global view and much more global understanding of how all the parts work or how more of the parts work within the organization. So I love your point there. I think it's very tactical uh, within the workplace as well. So what's number two? What's your second pillar? Yeah, number two is about showing genuine interest in people, not just interest, but genuine interest. And uh, my dad tells this story of, a, of an interview he saw where uh, the, the interviewee was talking about how they were barreling out of, uh, of, a, of a Nazi prison camp. They were actually tunneling out of a Nazi prison camp and he's telling the story how he got through and he emerged but he actually emerged from the ground in a Nazi officer's office. Uh, so he just he just told this incredible story. And then the interviewer, uh, who apparently was not listening, the next question was, so do you have any hobbies? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so she completely missed the story. She completely missed the interest of what this guy was saying. And you can imagine that the interview didn't get much more valuable than that because yeah, yeah. The, the interviewer was not showing genuine interest in the interviewee. So, man, listen to what people are saying and and see the value of what they're saying. And it, it, it goes much further than that. I love that. I'd speak to two groups here, one to managers. Employee engagement is probably the biggest issue facing the workplace today. And as a manager, you've got to let folks know you care by what you do. And mm-hmm. a part of that is being interested in them as an individual. Doesn't mean that you allow folks to skimp on work, but it does mean that you show they are important and you take the time to understand what they value. Then I would also speak to the worker. Uh, there's a stat out there that says less than two in 10 people actually ask um, uh, their boss or anyone in the workplace to mentor them. They go it alone. And that is probably one of the most tragic mistakes you could make. Uh, where does that start? I think Jonathan gave you some great clues at the start of the show. I mean, engage people first, be encouraging, either encouraging to your boss or the peers around you or encouraging to the work at hand and then show that you value them. Um, for a boss, that's by, you know, doing what they ask you to do and, and getting it done and being willing and able to help when you see there's help needed beyond your little circle. So love that piece. I think that's a great point. So what's number three? Yeah, the last one is is understanding that people aren't bridges, but they are people. One of the things I've always hated people say is, you know, never burn bridges. Mm. To be honest, I live my life by that principle. I never burn bridges, but it's not because I think one day I'll be able to get something from them. Mm. It's because they're people. Like you just don't burn people. That's just basic human nature. We shouldn't be destroying other people because that's not what we want happening to us. And, you know, there's one of those things that, you know, a lot of times I think this relationship is not going to benefit me in any way, but I'm going to still be kind to them. I'm still going to be extending, uh, you know, just kindness to them. And it's amazing that even those relationships you think have no value, good things come from them. So there is a benefit of not burning bridges, but you shouldn't do it just because you're manipulating people. That's where it gets into the negative idea of career politics. But you shouldn't be burning bridges because those bridges are people. Hmm. Wow. So I have lived by that principle, but you've given so much insight. And it's it's just practical wisdom. I mean, this is what my mom taught me as a little kid and my grandma taught me. And it's what I learned in Sunday school. And I think, unfortunately... Uh, many of us, we do go into the workplace with the attitude of, 
well, I'm here to get something and that's it, right? Uh, particularly those of us that are not engaged in the workplace. It's, you know, I, I nine, I'm going to do my nine. I'm going to do my five. I want to get my paycheck. Don't be in the door when it's time to go or you're going to get run over. I, other than that, I don't want to be here. And Gallup would support that in saying <laughs> that, you know, globally only 13% of the workplace is engaged. And they define that as emotionally and personally connected to the goals and the objectives of the organization. And, and it sounds like you're saying a lot of that yeah. has to do with we are, whether we acknowledge it or even realize it, we are we're looking at the workplace as an instrument or a tool, or as you said, a bridge that is to get us somewhere within our career. And you say it ain't so. I love it. Well, Jonathan, yeah, um, I'd love for you to share. Is, do you have a career politics story? Is there a point where this light bulb went off for you as we wrap up the show that you could share with the listeners? Yeah, I mean, you know, the last job that I had, I was uh, – directing a, uh, a conference for kind of creative minds. And, you know, I, I, I had to struggle to, to find the balance between getting work done and investing in people. So what I actually had to do is, is we had this flex time situation at my work, which I know not everyone's, you know, uh, lucky enough to have that, but I would actually have to come in around two hours earlier uh, every day at work and get all my work done. Because I knew once the day happened, I probably wasn't going to get much done because I was going to be talking to people, investing in people, uh, giving people my input on their projects and on what they were working on. But the, the environment that we had was so phenomenal just because I was, I freed myself up to invest in people because I got my work done early whenever I knew I wouldn't be distracted. And then the value of the work that we created as a team from me being able to just wander around and talk to people and give input was so much more phenomenal than if it would have just been, you know, me in my office getting my work done when everyone else was getting their work done. So I've seen it firsthand. It's really powerful, not only the relationship benefit you get out of it and the monetary benefit you get out of it, but even the work you can create, something that you'll be proud of being part of. And thank you so much for sharing, Jonathan. We've got to have you back. Feel free to forward me any blogs that you've got, and we'd love to share them with our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, man. God bless. We appreciate you. You too. Listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to connect with Jonathan, you can check him out at jonathanmalm.com. That's Jonathan, M-A-L-M.com. You can also check him out at facebook.com forward slash Jonathan Malm or tweet him at Jonathan Malm. And if this show has been helpful to you in any way, leave us a review on iTunes. Or if you have a question that you would like to ask, you can check us out at facebook.com forward slash rawitted. You can tweet Rick at rawitted or you can email us at rick at rawitted.com. Once again, listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Have a blessed week.